Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to have the opportunity to, to be back here at the church. Uh, several years ago, uh, we spent quite a bit of time together. I grew to love the eldership during that time, wonderful staff here at the church, and I've always appreciated the uh, impact this congregation has here in the city and in our brotherhood as well. The church uh, from Art Merkel's time uh, is well known uh, in many, many places, and uh, wonderful to be back here. I've grown to love Dale and his family very much. We spent a lot of time together. And just pray the Lord's greatest blessing on you as you continue into this um, new season that we'll all be coming into after this whole COVID thing is over. And just praying that the Lord has opened up new opportunities and new doors for us through, uh, through all that we're going through. So thank you always for your warm welcome, and it's wonderful to be here. They all asked me to stay in the sermon series that you're having in my area today is Evangelism and Discipleship. Uh, talking about that in the life of the church. <clears throat> and he also asked me to talk for just a little while about TCMI International, the ministry that I am with. As we'll see in just a moment, uh, TCMI started back in the 50s, and uh, we have become a uh, graduate seminary. And the only thing we do is train men and women, 1,500 in our student body right now, from about 50 countries uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, Central Asia, Africa, and now India is calling us to come there and to, uh, to train their leaders. So talk to, you, talk to you just a little bit about that as we move on. I'd like to begin with this thought, though, today as we talk about God's heart for the church when it comes to evangelism and discipleship. I want to make a statement today to begin that I hope you'll be able to agree with me on. I believe with all of my heart that the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest institution on the face of the earth. I, I Thank you. I really believe that that's true. You know, I'm all for hospitals and doctors, nurses. I, I think they're wonderful. I mentioned at first service, I developed AFib about 12 years ago, atrial fibrillation, where my heart was not beating in rhythm and uh, went to several treatments and got worse and worse and finally had major surgery on my heart for that. And I woke up from that surgery with my heart perfectly clear. And uh, for the last uh, nine or 10 years, I have had no problem whatsoever. So today, I am, I'm thankful for doctors and for surgeons and for nurses, a huge, huge part of my life for sure. I'm thankful for retail. You know, you've got uh, pennies and Walmart, various places. They make our lives better in a lot of ways. Uh, I also am very thankful for uh, people who are architects and uh, uh, people who are in construction and, and all of those areas. They definitely make our lives better. Bankers so forth, a uh, blessing to us. I think all of these organizations do good things for people in our culture. But the point I wanted to make in your thinking today is simply this, that none of these organizations does for people what the church of Jesus Christ does for them. None of them in terms of providing hope in their lives and bringing them peace and assuring them of salvation once they die. Every time a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, brothers and sisters, passes through your baptistry, we have changed the eternity of that person through the blood of Jesus Christ through the life of this church. I just wanted to come before you today and help us just remember the fact that what we're doing is so significant. I believe with all of my heart that the most important thing that will happen in this community this entire week 
is what is happening right now in the auditoriums and worship rooms of the churches who are here in this city. Jesus Christ and him proclaimed so important through the life of this church. One very significant church leader in our lifetime wrote this in one of his books. He said, the local church is the hope of the world and its future rests in the hands of its leaders. And I'm just telling you that there's so much truth in that idea today, that the church of Jesus Christ is the most important institution on the face of the earth. And if this is true, then we want to ask ourselves this question. What does God want to see happen here for our congregation? What is God's heart for this church? What does he want to have happen through this church? Well, there are two overriding ideas I'd like to share with you today about that. And again, I think this is somewhat preaching to the choir. I'm not sure these ideas are groundbreakingly new to you, but I just wanted to come and remind you today about the heart of the church. When I talk about the fact that evangelism, leading people to Christ who have never known Christ before, and discipleship, helping them to grow in their faith to some semblance of maturity, are what God's heart is for this particular congregation. No, no question. GE, uh, down in Cincinnati, uh, all of their jet engines are made in the Cincinnati plant down there. And uh, GE just created an engine a couple of years ago for the 777-300 jets that are flying in the air. This engine, the most powerful engine of every engine in the world, this is the most powerful engine, generates 115,000 pounds of thrust. And uh, if we had one here on stage today, from the opening, top of the opening to the bottom of the opening, it's 11 feet and a few inches. It's a huge mammoth engine that powers this huge plane full of cargo and passengers and their luggage and, and crew uh, all the way over the ocean effortlessly. Great power there. And every one of the planes who uses this engine has an engine on either side. The two great engines that drive that jet. And today, I just wanted to make sure we knew that the two great engines of the church, the things that God is calling us to do, engine number one is evangelism, leading lost people to faith. And engine number two is discipleship, helping them grow once they become Christians. I'd like for us to share in two very significant scriptures about what we're talking about here today. And a lady in the church, Holly Spangler, who's in charge of the princess ministry here in this church, has been asked to read our scripture for us today. So Holly is going to now read the two scriptures I'd like for us to think about. First came up and spoke to them, saying, All authorities has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to absorb all that I command you in love. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We proclaim him adomishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also I labor, striving according to his powers, which mighty works within me. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. We'd like to thank Holly for reading that scripture for us today. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's appropriate. <clears throat> These two scriptures form the basis for what I'm talking about this morning, in that in evangelism, 
You know, the Lord says His final words, and I know you've seen this many, many, obviously many times, but Jesus, our Lord, says, here are my marching, art, marching orders for the church. I want you to go into all the earth, all the world, and disciple the nations, and then baptize them and continue then to teach them the deeper things of the faith. And as you are doing this, just remember that I am always with you. I am always with you. The great, great commission of Jesus Christ to evangelize the world. The scripture Holly read from the Apostle Paul is significant. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. If Paul were here on stage with us today and we said to him, Paul, what is, what is the main goal of your work as a missionary, a church planter, an evangelist, a preacher? What are you trying to accomplish? I think that Paul would quote these two verses as his personal mission statement as a Christian leader. If we look at, at them again, Paul writes and says, we proclaim him, that word there is the word for preaching. We preach Christ doing three things, admonishing every man and teaching every man and every woman so that we may present them mature in Jesus Christ. He means here on the judgment day. So brothers and sisters, we have to see that our main goal is just not to lead people to Christ, but once they become Christians, we help them grow in their faith. Paul says, we admonish every man and we're teaching every man so that we may present on judgment day every man and woman mature in their faith. Two, the two great engines driving the church. I'd like to move on to point number two, our, the two major components of what we're talking about and break, one, break each of these down just a little more in our thinking and clarify them for us. When we talk about evangelism, obviously it's the idea of talking to someone, connecting with someone who does not know God, has never really accepted Jesus Christ and allowed Him to become the Lord of their lives. Now, that's the whole idea behind evangelism, reaching people who don't know God. Now, a big question, of course, about this is, why is this not happening at a more significant rate in the lives of churches all across the country and really all across the world? The bottom line simply comes down to this. When the church was born in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, the church was started for 300 years. Lay people, people who did not get paid to do ministry, lay people went from village to village and town to town, their friends, their relatives, people that they worked with, and they knew how to share Jesus Christ. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to repent of his sins, of your sins, believe in Jesus with your heart as your Savior, confess him before men, and then be baptized and be brought into the family of God. And the idea of a lay person who's not paid teaching that was, was just rampant all through the known world. And in many cases, almost every country on earth during the early church had a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the beginning of the third century, the Catholic church put a pope in whose name was Cyprian, Pope Cyprian. And the Pope Cyprian decided that it was a bad thing for lay people to be doing ministry. So he passed an edict and he said, People who are not ordained priests cannot baptize, cannot administer communion, and certainly cannot, cannot teach the Bible. Certainly not qualified to teach. As a matter of fact, have everybody turn their Bibles in, especially when it comes to the book of Revelation. And you simply do these things as church members. You show up on Sunday to Mass. You give an offering to the church, and you re remain morally good for the most part. And in one century from the 300s to the 400s, Cyprian broke the back of the lay movement of the church. One century, took 100 years. Brothers and sisters, think with me for a moment today. I want you to open your heart to this for just a second. 
if we depend on only the paid ministers of our churches to do evangelism, we will never win the world to Christ. It's just not possible. What we must have are lay people who love Jesus with a passionate love, learn how to share the plan of salvation with someone. And please believe me, it is not that hard to know these steps and be able to explain them. We need lay people who will really, really have a heart for that. Today, we think about people who live in our neighborhood. We think about family members. Some of us have family members who are not going to heaven. You know, it's not going to happen with where they are right now. People we work with every day who desperately need Jesus Christ, and just the list goes on and on. You know, people in our sphere of influence who, if we ask about their relationship to Christ, we just inquired, we knew how to take them through the scriptures to make that happen, and then you simply ask the question, in light of what we've talked about, are you willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? You will be amazed at the number of people who are looking for this right now and trying to find the hope and the peace and the forgiveness that the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring into their lives. Now, I know that you might say, okay, I, I hear you. I know what you're saying. You know, here's the deal. I, I, I don't think I can do that. I just don't think that I can do that. I want to tell you a true story about a friend of mine who preaches in Illinois, a church of about 300, and one day, one of the women in his church came to him after church, and she said, I have a burden, Pastor, I want to talk to you about. My husband is an 18-wheel truck driver, and he is a hard nut, and he doesn't like the church or anything connected to the church. Can, I'm, I'm, I've been praying for him for years. Can you just call him and meet with him and see if he has any interest at all in what you could generate in his heart for the Lord? And my friend said, you know, nothing gained, nothing lost. So he actually called the guy and said, hi, you don't know me. I'm your wife's minister. And uh, would you be interested at all in just having lunch sometime next week and, and just checking in? And long silence on the phone. And finally, the guy said, well, okay, where, where do you want to meet? And so they met and had lunch. And the, the brother of mine who was preaching at the church told me that it took six months, six months to lead this guy to Christ. He was real, a hard nut, you know. Finally, led him to the Lord. The guy accepted Christ joyously, was baptized. And then he came to the minister and said, you know, I'd like to be able to, t I have friends who are going to hell. I have guys I work with, you know, who, who don't know the Lord. I mean, I, I need to try. So he took him through the plan of salvation, gave him an outline. They made him some copies. True story, brothers brother and sisters. I am not exaggerating this number whatsoever. In the first 12 months that this man became a Christian, he shared the gospel with 86 different people. 63 of the people he shared the gospel with accepted Jesus as their Savior. The, ch the, the church had never had that many baptisms in its history in one year. And all from a gentleman who's an 18-wheel truck driver. I'm, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you, you can do this. You can speak to people and share the scriptures with them to teach them how to become a Christian. In my preaching ministry in Boulder, Colorado, I had a very, very sharp guy, about 35 years old, really big into Amway. You, um, have you heard of Amway? I'm sure you've heard. B big, big in Amway. Um, I was talking to him one day over lunch about the possibility that he had all the ability in the world to be a great evangelist. And he said to me, you know, that's one thing I know I could never do. And I said to him, Walt, you have like, like, like 65 or 70 couples in your downline for Amway. 
and, and you can't lead people to Christ. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us not to just come to church and bring an offering and, and be morally good. That's not what God is calling us to. That, 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 that's, that's 101 in our faith. God is calling us to have a broken heart for lost people to reach out to them and to do what we can to lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, for 300 years, lay people who were not paid to do ministry led millions of people to Christ. You know? And it reminds me of this, uh, this a paragraph I read from a preacher of, of, of ancient years, Charles Spurgeon, 150 years ago in England, one of the leading evangelical preachers there. In one of his sermons, he wrote and he said this. He said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Today, if we're talking about the whole idea of what is God's heart for the church, we must see that keeping the focus on winning lost people has to be one of the things that we're about as the members of this particular congregation. Moving on then to engine number two. Let me talk to you for just a moment about the whole idea of discipleship. It was, it was John Newman who said, growth, growth is the evidence of life. Growth is the, only, is the evidence of life. And this is so true. Once people become Christians... One of the things we want for their lives is that they will be growing in their faith and getting stronger and getting their roots deeper down into the Lord. Uh, a number of friends of mine and I have been frustrated for years and years and years trying to figure out what stimulates the growth of a new believer in Christ and an old believer as well. In other words, what is it that will stimulate your growth, help you to get stronger in the Lord? become a deeper believer, to get your roots more secure in Jesus Christ. What actually does that in people's lives? Well, through research and experimenting and working with churches, we have actually come to believe that there are four major things that will grow the life of a Christian. Four things. Let me just mention them to you briefly. Item number one is simply this. It is serious, ongoing exposure to the Word of God and, and other materials dealing with the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, when someone reads the Word of God on a daily basis and they apply it to their lives and they, they let their hearts and their minds be saturated with the Word every single day, I'm telling you, there's no way that that won't grow your spirit in the Lord. Feeding your spirit every single day on the Word of God, being in a Sunday school class, being in a small group, being in a youth group, uh, whatever the situation might be, when you are exposed to the Word, the Word acts like fertilizer in your heart and in your life, to grow your love for Jesus Christ. Let me just encourage you to make sure that the Word of God is part of your daily life for sure. Secondly, is the idea of fellowship. It's the idea that for me to grow in my faith, I must be connected to other believers who will, who will support me and encourage me and help me in every way I can. Uh, let me just share a word of testimony with you from my years of ministry. One of the things that has stimulated my personal growth as much as anything else, in addition to the Word of God, is being with other people who were farther along in their faith than I was. You see what I mean by that? Having mentors, having teachers, 
You know, men who were so far beyond where, where I was in my faith and just being with them, praying together, fellowshipping, having a meal, learning from them, catching their spirit and catching what their attitude was. It was a huge blessing in my life in terms of my growth. God's plan for us as a church is not independence from one another. It is inter interdependence upon one another. And so being in a small group, being in some kind, of, some kind of an organization here in the church that will stimulate you and encourage you and help you is a big part of anyone's spiritual growth. The third element I would mention is simply serving and being involved, <clears throat> service and involvement. What we found from research is simply this. When someone gets out of the pew, gets out of the chair and on, onto the floor, onto the playing field, when someone will take off their, take the napkin off their lap and put on an apron, you know, and begin to really become involved in service, a couple of significant things happen. The church is really blessed when active people are using their gifts and talents to help the church grow. In addition to that, there is an emotional buy-in that takes place in the life of the person who's doing the serving. And the research tells us that also people's financial giving will go up when they become involved in the life of the church. <clears throat> Today, if you don't have an active ministry role in the life of the church, let me encourage you just to call the church office tomorrow morning and, and volunteer and, and tell the staff that you're willing to step up and you're willing to do something. Not only will your, will your ministry bless the church, but I promise you, brothers and sisters, listen to me. I promise you, you will grow spiritually as a result of being involved. You truly will. And the fourth thing, obviously, is what I would simply call leadership training. When someone enters leadership training to be an elder, to be, to be a deacon or a ministry team leader, youth group leader, Sunday school teacher, whatever it might be, small group leader, that training <clears throat> involves a number of the things we've talked about and is a great stimulation to the life of a person wanting to grow in Christ. So we know what will stimulate the growth uh, of the church. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, in your heart, in your mind, in your relationship to Christ, to really be on the growing edge of your faith. Please, Today, I know I'm a guest here, and I don't want to go over the line of being a guest, but can I just share this with you? If you're, if you're coming on Sunday and giving an offering and being morally good during the week, which I know you are, I want you to know that's the starting place for your relationship to Jesus. It's the starting place. We definitely need to have you go to the next step, go to the next level in terms of your involvement, and your prayer, your Bible reading, becoming part of the ministry of the life of this church. Uh, I'm telling you, the potential that you have in this congregation to, be, to have a massive impact in this county is, is, is large. It's very, very large. I want you to be part of that, and I want you to be part of the ongoing life of the church. So if this is what God has called us to, the idea that we are reaching out to lost people and sharing the gospel with them, the idea that we're very aware that we must help our people grow in their faith, and, and I must be growing as well as a part of my church. Uh, 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 how does that fit into what I do on a daily basis? Well, six years ago, I was teaching at CCU down in Cincinnati when things began to get very tough down there in some ways, and uh, I was offered a new position with TCM to be full-time professor for them. So my wife and I, every May fly to Vienna, Austria, uh, where, we, uh, where we are there June, July, and August, and I teach over there all summer long. 
Today, I want you to go on a journey with me. You don't need any luggage or your overnight bag. I just want you to go with me to the Cincinnati airport where, we'll get on, where we will get on a Delta jet and fly to Washington, D.C. From there, we get, on, we get on an Austrian airline nonstop, fly all the way to Vienna, where people from our ministry will pick us up, and we will begin a wonderful 12-day journey of ministering and serving students from almost 50 countries, 1,500 of them all together, Many of them in groups will come to House Edelweiss, which is a part of our European campus, where they will then go through an entire class in six days on the topic that they've chosen. Uh, taking the class numbers that they need, then they will graduate with their master's degree. We have several different kinds of master's degrees. Right now, presenting to plan, uh, planning to present a doctorate degree soon. And our whole purpose is this. Again, all for banking and retail and uh, all of those things, our only very focused purpose is training men and women to lead the church. That's all we do. Evangelism, preaching, church planting, spiritual formation, discipleship. Those are the things we're involved in. We have guys who are pre preaching. We have youth workers. We have worship leaders. We have ministers of discipleship, children's ministers. One of our students went back to his country and has now started a national children's ministry. Uh, all over Georgia over there that is really making a huge difference. You know, the idea that we simply train men and women to lead the church, that's our only singular purpose. We deal with their hearts and helping them to grow to love Jesus more, to be stronger in their spiritual lives, and we give them, we train them in their areas of expertise, whether it's preaching or whatever it might be. And that's our whole purpose. Uh, I love TCM because the residual from what we do is enormous. You know, the idea that we're training the leaders of the leaders who then go back to their churches and, and help their churches grow, help their people grow. One of my most exciting experiences was having a fairly small class. And one of the men at the end of the class came up to me and he said, I know we haven't had a lot of time to be together, but he said, I am um, the, uh, the, the leader over 28 congregations in Tehran, Iran. And I have these 27 congregations. I meet with the ministers every week from those churches. I coach them, I train them, and then I have a church of about 200 myself. And I said, I didn't even know there were churches in Iran. I mean, really, you have to be kidding me. And he said, well, no, if you come over there, there are many Baptist churches, there are Christian churches, you know, and there are churches there. They just pull our chain all the time. And we spend a week in prison every now and then, just happens, but we are undeterred. We're going to make this happen. He said, you know, going through the material that you've just shared on spiritual growth, the spiritual disciplines, he said, I, I, why is it? I, I, I've been a Christian for 28 years. I've never heard this. I've never heard this material. I'm so taken with it. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home. And in the 27 ministers that I coach, I'm going to share this material with them from now till Christmas and from January to June, we're going to preach a series of sermons on how to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ in all 27 of these churches. Brothers and sisters, that's the influence that training leaders has in all of these countries. And your dollars and your prayers and your coming to be with us, your support, is the key to making, making uh, this happen because we would not be able to do this ministry if it wasn't for churches and individuals just like yourself. I happen to bring just a couple of slides to show you a few things about what we're doing. Uh, again, our whole purpose is simply this, the consistent purpose. It is training men and women 
to create discipleship movements in their countries in every way we possibly can. Moving on to the next slide, just a few pictures. This is House Edelweiss. This is a hunting lodge that was built by royalty in Austria in the 1850s. And uh, it's a beautiful building. We've had it restored over the years and it houses our cafeteria, all of our business offices. A lot of student housing is in this building. We have six other outbuildings also. Another shot of House Edelweiss as well to kind of give you a little flavor of the alpine, uh, alpine nature of our campus. Moving on then, we have a um, beautiful stained glass window put in 1916. This is St. George uh, killing the dragon. It may be a little hard to see uh, at, at this distance, but, um, but a beautiful piece of our campus that we all love and appreciate. Also, in addition to that, uh, we have a koi pond on campus and just a beautiful, uh, beautiful layout in terms of our buildings. And uh, uh, I love the fact that uh, there's so many flowers over there, you know, even in the towns and villages where we visit, the flowers everywhere. Let me also mention our students. And this is, of course, the heart and soul of why, why we are doing ministry. This is a wonderful couple from Moldova. They uh, uh, came to TCM. He already had a degree, came to TCM, took his master's degree, was in Moldova ministering in a church and found out that in the city of London, there is a huge Moldovan population. And so he was called by the Lord and he and his family now are in, Mold are in London planting a church for people who are from their country. And the church is growing and really, really thriving. Just wonderful, wonderful men and women who love Jesus with all of their hearts. A few more pictures here of our students. We can move through these pretty quickly. This is a surgeon from Russia who I had in class. Just a wonderful guy, worked as a surgeon all week and on weekends preached in a church and just, just a real lover of Jesus, a really powerful servant. Our next picture is a group of uh, students that I had when I went in country. We have students come to Austria, to our European campus, and then I will fly to other countries, uh, Russia, Bulgaria, Romania, and they will collect groups of our students there, and we'll just have a class there in their country, which is really such a great idea. One of the things I love about TCM is that we don't bring all 1,500 students to Austria keep them there nine months, and then send them home. From my years at CCU, what happens many times is that when we bring students in from other countries to the U.S. and they're with us for three years, they have a very, very hard time going back home. Really, they, all, they want to stay here, which I understand for sure. This way we don't take them out of their country, and when their degree is done, they're there in their home country, they need no language school, they need no support because they already have support, and they're able to go ahead and plant churches and do ministry right there in their home countries, which is really what we're doing. And this is a wonderful class I had uh, there in that particular country. Some other student pictures as well. We have about 14 sessions from the 1st of March until about the middle of November. We have, and this is all of the students who came in, about 150 people all together. And they will be with us for six days on our campus. I have 30 hours of classroom time with them while we're there. Uh, we also spend time with them outside of class, drinking coffee, talking about their churches. They found out I have a church growth background. And after supper, it's always, always uh, uh, understandable that a group of students will come to me and say, we want to talk to you about our churches. Help us get our churches to, be, to be growing more. And so we uh, spend that evening with them around the fireplace or, or out by the pool, just talking about how to make their churches stronger. And this is the students, all of our American workers who come that session, and all of our staff. 
that they take at the end of, of each time. This is a typical classroom scene in the body in the building of our um, of our ministry center. Then we also have a picture of our morning worship service. We're together on Sunday. And uh, if you get to come over as a volunteer worker, which I really hope you will someday, uh, on Sunday morning, we have all 125 of us in our, in our uh, gathering room. And you know, you're singing the old rugged cross and everybody knows the same tune, but there are five different languages around you all singing the song. It's just so exciting kind of a foretaste of being around the throne of God someday and what that's going to be like you know, when we're praising the Lord in, in that context. A couple of other items here in terms of volunteers. Every session we have of the 14 sessions, we need people to help us with housekeeping, maintenance, um, uh, library, food preparation, various things like that. So we bring in t- 25 Americans. They fly in and they're with us for about 10 days and they provide services while our students are with us until the students go home. Many of them will stay an extra four or five days. They're already in Europe, you know, so they stay there and do something in Europe. It's really fun and interesting and then, then go on home. And these people are amazing, make a, an amazing contribution to our ministry. We could not do our ministry without the American volunteers who come over every summer. I have a couple of other pictures of them as well. This is around the dish table where we have to dry dishes for 150 people three times a day. And then we have a shot of another group. They're getting ready to have their devotions that morning. And then a couple of other pictures of the volunteers making lunch there, I think, and then just a couple more that you might be interested in. This is one of the three dining rooms we have. They're all very close together there. But due to our growth, we've had to open up new areas for food, for dining, and this is one of those. And then just wanted to mention this final slide. This is a picture of our graduation service a number of years ago. Right now we're graduating between 45 and 60 students every year. And uh, this is so exciting to me to think about, you know, say 50 students every year graduating, going out into these various countries and preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, planting churches, encouraging their people, training their elders, learning how to reach out to their communities, do evangelism in their culture, and that's our whole purpose for what we're doing. So it gives you a good idea of what a graduating class would look for us at TCM. Brothers and sisters, I need to ask your help in three different areas. The most important one of the three areas is simply this, that you would pray on a regular basis for TCM, for our leaders, for our staff. For, we have 57 professors, counting all of our, all of our adjuncts, It's a wonderful, wonderful team. Pray for us because prayer is the fuel that we use to accomplish our ministry. We operate on the prayers of our people. So if you would keep us in prayer, I would really appreciate that. Also, this church supports us financially. And again, the finance that comes into our ministry is the pragmatic fuel that allows us to do everything God is calling us to do. The third area I would ask for your help is for you to organize a team here in the church and come to Vienna next summer or the summer after and work on one of our work teams. It's a wonderful thing to have people from our supporting churches not just hear about what we're doing and see our slides, to actually come and spend an entire class session with us and with our students and be fully immersed in what's going, going to happen. Every time a group comes, every volunteer, every American gets a prayer partner from out of the students who are there. And they meet together with them, sometimes needing an interpreter, 
They pray for each other, and it's a wonderful, wonderful way to connect people's lives. Uh, people in another country that you may never visit have that spiritual connection with them. And we'd like for you to be part of our volunteer ministry coming to Europe uh, in the summers and working with us over there. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being our partners. Once again, we really could not do what the Lord is doing through TCM without churches and individuals like yourself. And this is just an opportunity for me to come and express my deepest gratitude and thanks for your help. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.